Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Two Girls, One Ship, the podcast where we analyze, rate, and review all that the world of video game romances has to offer. I'm Genesis, the girl who loves being busy, but is also kind of lazy. Somehow I make it work. I relate. I'm Vervada, the girl who didn't write anything for this part, so I'm just going to wing it. I have a cough. So forgive me if I sound dead. My voice is just ruined by this kindergarten sickness that I got from my child. Kids carry <sighs> way too many germs. It's just... Yeah. And she's fine now. I thought she'd be the one to get sick. Nope. Nope. No. It's mom and dad. Mainly mom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because she's like all up in my business all the time. Yep. So... If you are new here, welcome to the beautiful chaos. But you should know that our podcast centers on character and romance analysis and doesn't shy away from exploring the fun of fucking. Or from the deep emotional connections built between two characters using specific in-game dialogue. So if you want to stay spoiler free, then this isn't the podcast for you. So here's your fucking spoiler alert. Thanks for the spoiler alert from another person I know who is a truth seeker. And just like with all of our previous episodes, we'll assume you have some background knowledge on the games and character in question. But we will be providing context for those of you who may be unfamiliar. Breaking news. We're still in the Commonwealth for today's episode, and you heard it here first. One of the romances we're talking about today is a raider. Quite a turn from our past Paragon Paramours in the Wasteland. The other romance we'll be covering is busy covering all the newsworthy events across Diamond City and beyond. Today's episode is on Piper Wright and Porter Gage. We'll start with Piper. Who'd expect wandering off with a stranger to turn out this well? Piper grew up with her sister Nat in a small community in the Commonwealth, and her obsession with getting the truth began when her father was found murdered under suspicious circumstances. Piper was on the case and learned that her father, a member of the local militia, had discovered a raider plot to pillage the town. The leader of the militia had arranged to leave the front gate open and unguarded to allow the raiders access 
in exchange for a cut of the loot. And her father had been murdered to keep the plan a secret. It's a classic, tragic backstory. Yeah, nothing like a good old secret plot and murder cover-up. Piper took matters into her own hands and circulated wanted posters for the captain and a list of his crimes. The town's mayor took notice and accepted the evidence Piper had gathered, and the settlers exiled the leader of the militia. The raiders showed up, expecting an unguarded open gate, but instead found a righteously angry and prepared town and were driven away. All in a day's work for this tenacious reporter. (laughs) Piper and Nat eventually moved to Diamond City, the large settlement made out of the ruins of Fenway Park. Piper discovered more corruption, cover-ups, and a failing infrastructure. Because if there's one thing about society, it's that the people in charge are going to get dirty at some point. She began her newspaper, Public Occurrences, out of desperation for improving the lives of the people in the great green jewel of the Commonwealth. She was well-liked at first, but it didn't take too long for public opinion to turn against her because her articles were too negative. People began to avoid her and started treating her like a nosy snoop. So she's the black sheep of Diamond City when you first meet her in 2287. When you first make your way through the stands to the town center, the talk of the town is about Piper's most recent article called The Synthetic Truth. In this article, she basically accuses the mayor of Diamond City, McDonough, of secretly being a synth. We've talked about it before, but a major fear in the Commonwealth is the Institute synths and being replaced by a synth. Of course, the mayor did not take kindly to these allegations. Piper, who let you back inside? I told Sullivan to keep that gate shut. You devious, rabble-rousing slanderer. The level of dishonesty in that paper of yours. I'll have that printer scrapped for parts. Tyrant mayor shuts down the press. Why don't we ask the newcomer? You support the news? Because the mayor's threatened to throw free speech in the dumpster. Of course, with you being a newcomer, Piper is determined to get an interview from the sole survivor for her newspaper. You get to choose your own answers for this quest. And eventually, you can even read the article Piper writes about you. You have to do the interview if you want Piper to become your traveling companion, and eventually lover. But she is unique in that she is pretty much the first quest you do with her. It's not a traditional loyalty quest or personal quest, but it's essential for getting her romance. Piper is what's known as the intrepid reporter. This trope is basically Lois Lane from Superman. Piper isn't going to wait for the stories to come to her. Nope. She's going to go out and find the truth. In fiction, these characters are often attractive to both good and bad guys in the universe. And they usually have a chip on their shoulder about not just being a pretty face. They are always going on about the truth, freedom of the press, and especially the people have a right to know. Often in pursuit of the truth, these reporters, Piper included, are willing to do some immoral and unethical things for that sweet, sweet scoop. Of course, in my experience, if you want to do real good, playing nice only gets you so far. I mean, look at Diamond City, a place I've been trying to warn of real danger. But every issue I publish, all I hear is... Oh, Piper, why don't you ever publish anything happy? Piper, why can't you write something nice for a change? It's enough to make me want to hang up my hat some days. Piper is a good person if you judge her by her intentions. 
but her actions are a bit muddied. I mean, her establishing character moment when you first meet her outside of the gates of Diamond City is Piper asking you to lie for her to get back inside. (sighs) This aligns right with that intrepid reporter trope. Piper even defines success as the number of enemies she has, saying that she never thought a reporter could consider themselves a success until someone threatened their life. And in that regard, she is very successful. Piper's articles are highly biased. Have you read the one about Mayor McDonough and the noodles? She recounts the story from 60 years prior where someone seemingly human ate noodles at Power Noodles in Diamond City and then went on a cold rampage killing people. A synth component was found in his brain and... Guess who sat in the same chair as that synth from 60 years ago last Wednesday night? You guessed it. Mayor McDonough. He's clearly a synth. This kind of journalism is more like tabloid writing and is highly manipulative. Piper has an agenda, and she's out to prove to everyone that the truth is synthetic. Good journalism should only present the facts of the story, not force an agenda on the reader. She is adamant that McDonough is a synth and her article caused the mayor himself to get up on stage and claim, no, I am not a synth. The whole commonwealth fears the Institute, but none are more afraid than the residents of Diamond City. The fear did not start with Piper. It started decades earlier, but Piper is adding fuel to the flames alongside her sister Nat, who calls out the headlines in the market. The fear of synths is everywhere. You can even see Diamond City security shoot a man for holding his brother at gunpoint, convinced he's a synth. Myrna won't do business with you unless you convince her you're not a synth. Piper has sensationalized the synth story and infected everyone with the conspiracy theory. After you explore the wastes with her for long enough, you can talk to her about her incessant need for uncovering the truth her motivation behind being a reporter. She believes people need to know the truth, especially when it's bad, because it's how you stay safe. People deserve to know the truth, and Piper believes she's the one to give it to them. Even though she kind of leaves her young sister behind to do it. She does have a good reason for that, though. The sole survivor can comment on how this line of work sure seems exhausting. Sounds like it must be exhausting. (laughs) No kidding. But people... They deserve to know the truth. Sure, it can be scary, knowing what's really out there. (laughs) A night doesn't go by, I'm not afraid some Institute drone will decide today's the day to pay old Piper and family a visit. But it's worth it, because I know the truth. That's what protects us. Piper is not really a journalist. She's an activist posing as a journalist. She'll tell you that the reason she is so passionate about exposing the truth is because her father died for knowing the truth. Back in her childhood town with their corrupt militia leader, and the town protected themselves from raiders by learning the truth. Now, in Diamond City, she is adamant about exposing the truth about the Institute and McDonough. But is her past affecting her perception of the present? She doesn't really have any evidence of the Institute kidnapping people or of McDonough being a synth. But she is riling up the town to try and help them the way she did in her childhood settlement. The truth may set you free, 
but the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Mm-hmm. That's not to say that Piper has never done actual investigative reporting, though. She has. Before you met her, she ended price gouging in the city by uncovering a caravan cartel, and she found the source of irradiated drinking water in Bunker Hill, ending that pollution. It's why her and Nick Valentine are so close. Their jobs often overlap. The synth thing is not her shining moment in journalism. It's more of a personal vendetta. Every character needs a character flaw, and Piper's is her overzealous nature. The thing is, she's not wrong. Her methods may be that of a tabloid journalist, but a good conspiracy theory always has some measure of truth. The facts are that McDonough simply won't allow any kidnappings to be investigated by Diamond City Security. And there are quite a few kidnappings. Piper's article, The Synthetic Truth, might have been provocative, but it certainly did not constitute the level of disgust and reprisal she faced for McDonough. Their back and forth is reminiscent of the feud between the 1950s CBS journalist Edward Murrow and the Red Scare-obsessed Senator Joseph McCarthy. Through freedom of the press and speaking truth to power, Moreau presented an editorial on McCarthy, whose recklessness with the truth and attacks on his critics had contributed to the average American's deep fear and repression. And that's basically what Piper aimed to do with her article. Although she went for a more sensationalized version of events. Near the end of the game, like I said before, you find out that Piper was right. McDonough is a synth, and the whole town finds out thanks to Danny, a member of Diamond City Security, getting shot twice and falling out of the elevator before telling everyone the truth. She may not have had evidence, at least that we know of, but she has great instincts. When you confront Mayor McDonough, you can kill him or make light of the situation, but Piper doesn't like that. She doesn't like anarchy or taking the law into your own hands, so she'll want you to have McDonough stand trial for his crimes. Or just let him leave unscathed for whatever reason. She likes that. We're romancing her, so you gotta get her full affinity. That just seems odd. Yeah, go run away from this city. That's good enough. It's so weird. It's like the entire game, she's like, McDonough's a synth. And then when you finally confront him, and he's like, I am a synth. And you're like, all right, get out of here. She's like, I like that. (laughs) Okay. Like we said before, Piper doesn't have a loyalty or personal quest. It's kind of a bummer because she's a very fun and interesting character. And I think it would have been cool to see her grow and examine her relationships with the truth through a personal quest. The truth is important, and people deserve to know the facts. But it can also be cruel and come with unintended consequences that no one can foresee or control. Something Piper knows all too well. I would have liked to see her grow more enlightened, or maybe gain some nuance to her beliefs. Mm, Me too. Most players seem to either love or hate Piper, but for those who hate Piper, it seems to always have something to do with her fallibility, with her endless pursuit of the truth, and her stubborn, pushy behavior. She is by far not the only companion who champions a perfect cause in an imperfect way. Confident women are often labeled bitchy or aggressive when she's really just assertive and opinionated. She has flaws, but we all do, and most certainly all of the Fallout 4 companions do. 
Unfortunately, there just isn't much content, especially romantic content, to glean more info about Piper. Once her affinities raised high enough, you can initiate the romance. I was sure that the paper would be the best thing I ever did in my life, but being here with you now... Now I don't know. I've needed someone like you in my life for a long time, Blue. I just never expected I'd actually get them. So thank you for being the friend I can count on. It sounds to me like you're interested in becoming more than just friends. Oh, I... I mean... <laughs> I'd be lying if I said I never thought about you that way. Not that I'm always thinking that way. It's just... Blue. <laughs> I'm loud and pushy and constantly getting in over my head. Why would someone like you ever want someone like me? You don't need to be flawless, Piper. You're perfect for me. Perfect, huh? <laughs> that's, uh, that's a new one. Well, <clears throat> well, I think you're perfect, too. <laughs> Goodness, Blue, I, I don't know what to say. You're everything I could ever ask for. Come on, let's not keep the world waiting. I love their little scene together. Yes, all Fallout 4 romances are super, super freaking short. But in some ways, they really do get some good things really packed in there. I don't know, I can really hear it in her voice. That she's kind of shy and not knowing what she wants to do in this moment. I think she's really falling for you. Or me. Or you. The survivor. <laughs> so I like it. I like it a lot. And people who write also read. And reading leads to a healthy imagination. And imagination leads to lots of fun. So yeah, I see no sexual compatibility issues between the survivor and Piper. I could see myself romancing her in a playthrough. And just to go on the adventure with her. Yeah, she says some, like, dialogue in the game that suggests that she's a little bit kinky. Because she says something about, like, I could think of a better use for buckles and straps or something. I can't remember exactly what she says. So I think that gives you a pretty good idea. But I also like how awkward she is. <laughs> like, when you're flirting with her, she does not expect that at all. I think Piper would make a really cute romance. I think the long-term potential for them is good because she's very strong. She stands on her own. Like, she's essentially a single mom, right, because of her little sister. And she can take care of herself. It's not like that you complete me type of bullshit or anything like we've had with the other Fallout 4 romances. Mm -hmm. So I really like Piper because she's like a whole person. I mean, it's sad that you don't have a personal quest with her, but on the other hand, she doesn't, like, live for you like the other one. So she's probably, like, the healthiest girlfriend in Fallout 4 so far. I wish there was more, though. It's funny because when I first played Fallout 4, I thought of her thinking back to that time. I was like, oh, she's such a big character. This episode's going to be so long. And then when I actually looked at the content, I'm like, this is so short. I can't... She made such a big impact, you know? Yeah, I definitely think that she makes a bigger impact than she actually gets screen time, which is saying something. I think she was a good character, just not enough time given. Gosh, I could watch an entire show or play a whole game of just like Piper and Nick teaming up to solve crimes and write stories and 
gosh, that whole noir aspect of them in Diamond City. Like, I just, I love it so much. That would be fun. So I wish we had that. Mm-hmm. Give us spinoffs. You hold on tight and listen to sponsors of the show. And when we get back, we'll thank our patrons and get into some fun facts. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Fun facts. <laughs> Mayor McDonough's I'm not a synth speech was brought on by Piper's article is seemingly inspired by Richard Nixon's 1973 I am not a crook speech. They both sound strikingly similar. And as we know, in hindsight, we're both a load of crap. And... <laughs> The reason that like I can't I can't see those words I'm not a crook without thinking of the way that Futurama does it. Yes, (laughs) I am so glad that you got that reference. No, I think of Nixon and I always think of his head floating in a jar from Futurama. Like I don't think of the actual person. (laughs) Thank you, Futurama, for that. Yep. The next fun fact I have is about the voice actor for Porter Gage is none other than Mark Ralston an incredible actor with many, many science fiction titles under his belt. He was in Aliens, The X-Files, Star Trek The Next Generation, otherwise known as Star Trek TNG, for those in the know, Angel, Halo 4, and many, many other things. Like, a lot of things. Just go to his Wikipedia page and you'll be scrolling forever. I personally always love it when film or television actors go into games because I feel like it validates that games are a serious form of media to the normies, to the non-gamers. You know, I I remember specifically buying a Spyro game once because Gary Oldman was in it. And my dad was like, what? He's in a game? Like, yes, because games are art. It was amazing. Oh, yeah. My mom's the one that got me into gaming. She was like, we're going to play this game called Mario together. And I was like, okay. And yeah, you said that he was on Angel. And I'm so sorry that I have to stop and look it up right now to see who he was. Yeah, I don't remember who he was in Angel, but he was an Angel. 
there's been a lot of things he was in that he was only in for like an episode or two. So I don't think he was like a huge character in Angel, but he was an angel at one point. So it's pretty cool. He's done a lot of games. He was in Dragon Age Origins also. Oh, really? Oh, he was a demon. So we don't have any new reviews to read out this week, but we have 19 five-star ratings on iTunes, a.k.a. Apple Podcasts. Make our days pretty, please, and bump that number over 20, maybe? And thank you to the 51 people who have rated us on Spotify. It really does help the algorithm. Now, let's get to 100. That's what I want. My birthday's next week. Please give us over 100 ratings, especially if they're good ratings. Like getting over 100 ratings on Spotify would be awesome. Getting up to like 30 on iTunes would be amazing. I think we have like nine. I don't remember how many reviews we have on there either. I could look into that. I'm not sure. Like actual written reviews versus just someone hitting the star button. Yeah. So a few weeks ago, we talked about men in color and romances and how I really didn't know of any good representation. So I did my research and I smacked myself in the fucking forehead because I can't believe that I didn't remember one of my own romances. I romanced Liam in Mass Effect Andromeda. But the fact that I didn't remember him right away does prove that he was a little bit forgettable. But I really enjoyed it at the time. So I went on a search for good black romance representation. And I found an article on Blogorama. And they did list out nine games where there were prominent and plot-important romances between people of color, where they say the most memorable instance of a black romance in gaming was Grand Theft Auto San Andreas in 2004. The main character, Carl Johnson, had the chance to date several women, and two of them were black. They also mention romances in other GTA games. Tekken 4, and Mortal Kombat, of all places. So it sounds like I need to go play some fighting games again and actually pay attention to the storyline. But another one that I want to highlight was written by Mary Kenny herself. Clementine's parents, Ed and Diana, in the Telltale game The Walking Dead, is another representation of black love. And the last game listed is now one that I'm going to find and play. I'm adding this one to the episode list, V. Edited for spoilers, but a quote from the same Blogorama article. Arion, Legacy of the Koryodan, is a recent game to feature a powerful black couple. The game follows Enzo Koryodan, a prince of a fictional kingdom in Africa. At the beginning of the game, he was scheduled to marry his lifelong partner, Ernie Evo, and be crowned the new king. But treachery! This results in a charming journey that showcases the story of a black couple who are fully committed to each other and will not give up when faced with adversity and misfortune. And this is a direct quote from the author of that article that really makes me want to play the game. When done right, this is the result. There's never been an RPG about African mythology, but when it happens and is created by black game developers, this is the outcome. 
Ernie and Enzo's pairing is the quintessential, untouchable black couple done right in the most successful representation of black love in games. I am excited. Like, I need to find it. Yeah, I've never even heard of that game. Do you know what platform it's on? I don't. I'm going to look it up. Let's see. 2D action RPG with real-time combat. Let me go to its Wikipedia. It's on Steam, so I believe it's probably only PC. Okay, well, fuck it. Let's do it live. I'm opening up Steam right now and seeing if I can find it. I don't have a gaming PC anymore. It's 15 bucks on Steam. It came out in 2016. That's old. They were gonna, if they had a Kickstarter, but they didn't meet the goal to get it to PlayStation 4, I guess, which is a bummer. Oh, there's DLC with it too. Okay, before I fall down this rabbit hole and end up. Oh my gosh, the art is so good. Right? I just found their Kickstarter. Man, I kind of miss having a gaming PC, but it just took up so much space and then it broke when we moved here. Mm. So I, I got rid of it. That's awesome. We're going to put the link to the article in the show notes for everybody mm-hmm. to check it out. So let's get back to it and thank our patrons because they are amazing. And I will probably use the September Patreon money to buy that video game. So thank you. Thank you to Toasty, Apollo, Shanko, Mystheos, Luke, Wynn, and Bat Knight. We appreciate you so, so very much. Big love, massive hearts, all of it. These two girls have a huge announcement to make. So we've talked about it a few times, but I'm a native Portlandian. And Portland has a few gaming and comic cons that happen every year. The Portland Retro Gaming Con is happening October 14th through the 16th of 2022. And we are honored and so flippin' excited to say that for the first time ever, Vervada and Genesis get to meet in real life to host a panel about video game romances. I am so excited. We are hard at work to highlight the history behind where we are today in gaming lovers. So, if you are able to travel to Portland, Oregon in mid-October, we would absolutely love to meet you. Okay, let's get into Porter Gage. Don't feel bad if you don't remember him, because I didn't. (laughs) Mm, Yeah. Now let's go kill some shit. I love it. One more time. One more time. Now let's go kill some shit. It's fucking perfect. Porter I Gage. really like him, though. <laughs> I do, too. I didn't have this DLC. That's why I didn't remember him. But mm. now that I know who he is, he's great. So are you going to go get the DLC? Yeah. Okay. Good. And you have to remember Yes, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so Porter Gage is only available as a companion and potential romance if you have the Nuka World DLC installed. Due to this, his companion context is extremely short and his romance is even shorter. But trust me, I think it's worth it. Fallout 4 isn't known for robust romances to begin with, but Gage is definitely the shortest. 
He has a very similar backstory to any average Commonwealth citizen. He grew up on a small farm with his parents, and they were routinely attacked by raiders, which really bothered Gage. He didn't like that his parents always gave in to the raiders' demands. He wanted them to stand up for themselves. So when he was 12, he ran away from home during yet another raid to avoid becoming like his parents. Gage survived by taking odd jobs and doing whatever he could to earn enough caps to scrape by. He later turned to mercenary work, protecting caravans and the like, and continued to see raiders just taking what they wanted and people, fearing for their livelihoods and lives, just giving it to them. When he was 16, a settlement he lived in was raided, and Gage had had enough. He decided to become a raider because he was tired of fleeing and fearing them. Why beat him when you can join him? The first gang Gage ran with was of decent size and strength, and he found himself well-suited to the life of a raider. But he started to see inefficiencies in the way that the gang was being run. And Gage had a sharp organizational mind. Being the young and naive kid he was, he attempted to suggest different ways that the gang could be improved, which is definitely idealistic and hilarious. It probably went over really well. Me being new and young, I didn't know enough to keep my mouth shut. Started making suggestions about how to improve things. Oh, I can just picture it now. Uh, excuse me, Mr. Raider Boss, but, uh, I have an idea. <laughs> yeah, that's probably about how it sounded. <laughs> I love her. I love her me so much. too. The best. I know boomers just love it when the youngins come in with grandiose ideas and things. But to Gage's surprise, Connor the Harvester the leader of the gang, actually listened to Gage. Connor began to regularly consult with Gage on how to better run the gang, and young, dumb Gage was shocked but totally fell for it. Connor love-bombed him, telling him how much he trusted him and often asked his advice and opinions because of how smart Gage was. This kind of thing does nothing for the young male ego, does it? Eventually... Gage suggested that they try to make peace with a neighboring gang. Connor agreed to the idea, and Gage volunteered to be the negotiator, and went to the rival gang on neutral ground to conduct negotiations. Just as the rival gang was agreeing to Gage's proposal, gunfire and explosions just came out of nowhere. Turns out that Connor had used Gage as a distraction to assault the rival gang and hopefully get Gage killed in the crossfire. Connor must have begun to fear Gage's rise in the gang, and thought he was out to replace him as gang leader. Somehow, Gage survived, and he vowed to never be so trusting again. Gage goes on to tell you that he has witnessed many gangs destroy themselves, from stupidity, laziness, and chem addiction, and that he always left before they inevitably broke apart. At some point, his raider career led him to the outskirts of the Commonwealth, where he met Coulter, another veteran raider. With their powers combined, they united three gangs, the Operators, the Disciples, and the Pack, to storm Nuka World. 
They enslaved, killed, or drove out all the settlers there in what is known as the Fall of Nukatown, USA. Coulter became Nuka World's overboss. Gage took his natural place as right-hand man. Gage knows that the leader gets the target on their back, so he has no interest in being the top raider. I thought Coulter was what this operation needed. Big, strong, didn't take shit from nobody. The gangs would fear and respect him, and he'd listen to me. I'd use all my years of experience to help him run things. But he was stubborn, let shit go to his head. Ain't the first time I've seen it, honestly, but it was one of the worst. Oh my god. Put a big, dumb idiot in charge? What could possibly go wrong? I gave him too much credit. I could admit that. Oh, and of course, by the time your sole survivor wanders into Nuka World, the gangs, and especially Gage, aren't happy with Coulter anymore. Raiders are pretty restless and don't like routine, unless the routine is constant organizational shakeups and overthrowing their leaders. Gage wants you to help him overthrow Coulter. Surprise, surprise! Nuka World's raiders are getting violently restless thanks to Coulter's complacency, and some are blaming Gage for putting him in power. With the help of a water gun... You defeat Coulter and become the newest overboss of the Nuka World Raiders. Hey, don't underestimate the humble water gun. Wars were won. And of course, Gage immediately hands the reins to you. He's much more comfortable being the puppet master, the worm-tongue raider, than the leader. He knows how raiders think, what they want, and most importantly, how to motivate them to do what you want them to do. Gage is the most coherent and calculating raider in the wasteland for sure. Most are happy to cause a little mayhem and get a little high or drunk or both. He has a vision, though, and he hopes that you will be the leader to help him realize it. Hey, boss, can I ask you something? Didn't you just? Oh my god, maybe I ought to just shoot you instead. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. His dialogue's some of the funniest if you choose the sarcastic options. And of course, it's particularly good with our beloved Courtney Taylor's voice acting skills. If you don't remember, the voice of the female soul survivor is the same as Jack from Mass Effect 2, Courtney Taylor. Anyway, Gage is one of the few truly evil companions you can have in Fallout 4. It's easy to forget he's a raider sometimes, because he's so much more clever and calm compared to the rest of them. That's the insidious thing about Gage, actually. He can pass as a decent human being. Maybe you should take his advice about not trusting anyone. But we are romancing him. <laughs> so I trust him. I believe him. And I suppose if you're romancing him, you might tend to be a little evil yourself. As a token of evil companion and a raider, you basically just earn his affinity by doing raider shit. He's straight-edged evil, though. Similar to X688. They dislike it if you use chems and alcohol. But it's not complicated, like any romance in Fallout 4. But this is particularly short. Once you've raised up his affinity, you can have this conversation with him. Life is hard. No way around it. Don't I fucking know it. Ever since that day, I ain't trusted nobody. At least not beyond how useful they can be to me. You, though. 
you're the real deal. I finally found somebody worth fighting with. Something worth fighting for. I don't mean to make it weird or nothing. I'm just saying, this is a real good thing we've got going here. There's nothing weird about it, Gage. I've been thinking about it a lot, too, and I want us to be together. Are you saying what I think you're saying? Oh, come on, boss. You wouldn't want nothing to do with me, not with the fucked up life I've had. Really, Gage? Haven't you ever thought about it? About us? Okay, fine. I guess, maybe sometimes, we've been through a lot. And you're something else, all right? But I ain't never done anything like this. Ain't sure it'd work, you know? I mean, are you? No kidding around here. Is this really what you want? Come on, Gage. We've both been around enough to know that stranger things have happened. <laughs> yeah, ain't that the truth. I gotta tell you, this wasn't really how I was thinking this little talk was gonna go. I ain't gonna go all sappy on you, but damn, boss. You are something else. I don't know how to explain it. Like, I found a piece of me I didn't know I was missing. I don't know what happens next, but hell, ain't nobody I'd rather have with me. Are you kidding me? Like, he goes from major jackass to like, I wasn't expecting it. I fell for you. It's, I like it. And look, the bad boy trope is my thing. I love it. I'm a sucker for the rough and rowdy. The leather, I guess in this case, metal, and fuck you attitude. So yeah, my survivor would have no issues hooking up with Gage. And with him only being in Nuka area? I'm good with hoes in different area codes. <laughs> Damn, a little bit slutty today. <laughs> but I really just think that both people that we talked about today would be ones that I would romance. Yeah. Well, I think Piper is a good romance. I think Gage, like, calling this a romance is not accurate. Like, he is a friend with benefits, and you cannot trust him as far as you can throw him, and given all the metal he's wearing, you probably can't throw him that far. I'm just saying, like, the second your relationship no longer serves him... You are dead or gone. I just don't think he really cares about anyone besides himself. And that's fine as long as you're like, we're just going to bang, okay? But I don't know if they're ever going to be like declaring love or anything, which is fine. I just don't see that happening with Gage. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't romance him, but I would have a one night stand. Yeah. I mean, I'd give it, like, a couple of months before we separated. Yeah. A fling. He's a fling. The long-term survival of him is probably good. People around him seem to die a lot. So, <laughs> I don't think you should stay with him long-term. No. Probably not. It's your prerogative, though. So, you know, he's for somebody. He's not for me. I really feel like he would be the type to pick you up and throw you up against the wall. He is that kind of fuck. Yeah. Like, he's not going to be the lay you down gently and whisper sweet nothings in your ear. 
No. It's not going to be licking a lamppost in winter for the first time with Alistair and Dragon Age Origins. <laughs> no. It's not going to be that at all. But probably licking lampposts, just not as naively. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that and the fact that... I imagine chains are involved. Mm. <laughs> I'll chain you to a lamppost. Maybe that that's what it'll yeah. be. <laughs> Oh. I love his voice, though. It really is. It's a also good weird. He's it's a good voice, but it's also like, why does he have like a vaguely southern accent in the Commonwealth? I the accents in Fallout always make no sense, but that's just a topic for another day. Yeah, looking at you, Kate. Yeah, and what is Piper's accent? Like she's got one too. I feel like her and Nick both are trying to sound a little bit like. 1930s New York, stick them up, say, you know, like, she sounds like that, the woman version of that kind of, Nick's a lot more pronounced, but it's just, it's weird because they're supposed to be in Boston, so, and I, I've got a lot of friends from Boston, I know what that accent sounds like, and it's not anyone really in Fallout 4. Yeah. But it's also the apocalypse, so I guess it could change. Yeah, but it's probably going to change into a bit more mishmashed where accents really no yeah. longer exist. Unless it really yeah. does re-separate and then everybody in your cluster would have the same accent. Like, yeah. Yeah. That kind of wraps it up for tonight, though. Fallout 4 romances are short and sweet. But it being one of those foundation games, we feel it's really really important to go through them so that way we can see how far we've come that's true Mm-hmm. we still got one more episode of fallout though oh but we've kind of no. saved the best for last at least in my opinion we have yeah so if you're gonna be joining us again next week if you like what you're hearing this week be sure to leave us a review on itunes or give us a rating on spotify and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find me in our Two Girls One Ship chat on the Robots Radio Discord channel. And come give us a follow on all the social medias. And on Patreon at patreon.com slash two girls one ship. Links to those are in the description. I'm on the Robots Radio Discord as well. And on our own Two Girls One Ship Discord server where we nerd out on all our favorite CGI significant others. Be sure to check out our live streams on Twitch on Wednesdays and Fridays at 10.30pm Eastern Time, 7.30pm Pacific Time, or watch the YouTube video a few days after the stream. Our podcast episodes release on Mondays because you need at least one good thing on a Monday. So thanks for listening, and remember, beauty is in the eye of the controller. love Dragon Age? Have you always wanted to learn more about its vast world and detailed lore? Are you still attached to your hero of Ferelden even a decade after Dragon Age Origins came out? Or maybe you're a newer fan, still discovering a new tidbit or quest every day. Well, either way, the Dragon Age lore cast is the podcast for you. I'm Austin, also known as Teacup. And I'm Shelby, also known as SheCup. And come and join us as we embark on a journey to explore and discover all things Dragon Age. 
We'll discuss all kinds of topics, from lyrium to the Chantry and the great mysteries of the old gods, and even more that even you Bioware superfans might not know about. So come and listen on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And always remember... Swooping.